welcome to F is for Film. The guest today is David Mamoudier, and the film is the provocatively titled Snake Dick. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me. Good to have you too, sir. So let's jump into this crazy title of the film, Snake Dick. Can you synopsize this without <laughs> giving any spoilers to our audience? We don't know who has seen it and who hasn't. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, Snake Dick is a short film in its own right, but with feature aspirations. And I conceived the idea initially with a longer form endgame in mind, uh, but knowing it would be a tough sell, I knew I had to create a short form version that could serve as, as both proof of concept, but also stand on its own two feet, and at least I hope it does, as a short. And so I expanded upon effectively what is the opening scene of, of the feature to tease more of what's to come in, in that wider universe, but also explore some of the more substantive themes in, in, in our world right now, which is, you know, the extreme polarity towards feminism in general and what it means or, or has meant, as, as it looks like will be the case, to um, be a feminist in, in what was Trump's America. And, you know, I'm interested in a man taking on feminist issues. What, what, uh, what motivated this? Well, you know, that's, that's sort of really sort of from, from, from my perspective, uh, you know, the reason why I, I actually sort of wanted to make this is because I, I think it's important that, you know, we've, uh, I guess sort of backing up a second and sort of thinking about, you know, the other issues we have in our, in our country right now, you know, racism, misogyny, you know, they, they all sort of stem from, from a mindset of, of ignorance and the same way that sort of that ignorance isn't cured, you know, an issue like race, it isn't cured, but cured by one race uh, accepting or empathizing with another. It, it really depends on all races making that pledge. And, you know, by that token, I don't believe that feminism is, is purely a, also a female issue. Right? It requires men to speak up and stand in solidarity with women. And based on, you know, a lot of the experiences that people I know, people who are very close to me have been through, I, I wanted to take, take that stand. And I wanted to let women know that they're not alone and that there are, are men out there that, that can be feminists too. No, absolutely right. And absolutely, you know, if feminism is, is a response to male behavior, then males must modify and evolve their behavior. That's a great way of putting it. Absolutely. Yes. Speaking of, yes. And speaking of, of knowledge and information, I look at the, f look at the fact that you have the snake, the snake dick of the title, who <laughs> right. has such right. an interesting, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he, I'm assuming it's a he, but I could be wrong. It is biblical in many ways. It, it symbolizes temptation. Yes. It symbolizes many things in Western culture. Can you talk about the choice to include this in your, in, your, in your story? Yeah, well, so, you know, serpents and, and snakes in general, uh, they've, they've always represented throughout history many different things, uh, you know, from fertility to the sort of, you know, renewal of life, the sort of the, the Ouroboros, you know, the snake eating its own tail. They've always been very symbolic, but then, you know, with, with an issue like feminism and wanting to sort of tackle this in a, in a way that didn't sort of cheapen the overall message, but that had a sort of tongue-in-cheek element to it that could sort of stand beside the just bizarre world that we live in right now, you know, to try and sort of really and en capture that in a, in, a, in, a, in a sort of allegorical way. You know, I, I I sort of chose the fake obviously snake obviously because it it has a sort of phallic connotations, you know, to to, to be to be up, yes. up front, but but also because on a sort of mythological level, that just seemed that it 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 really did sort of 
it, it, it was it was a very snug fit with the other themes that I wanted to to explore within femininity, but also within male attitudes towards femininity. Because one of the big sort of inspirations behind this this film, which we can talk about a little later, was was the the Me Too movement. But really, sort of on a thematical level, to me, Snake Dick is it, it's a sort of metaphorical manifestation of male fear towards female empowerment, and I think that's something that you know as feminism has become more of a of a mainstream issue again I, I think sort of donald trump's presidency made a lot of women feel like they were playing catch up on progress that had been made decades ago because everything just sort of like regressed and it was like oh well now we're permitted to behave this way again and you know now we're permitted to have these attitudes towards women you know that went out of they went out of the window 40 years ago because you know our president says that it's okay and he behaves that way and so you know with with that in mind I I I feel like you know timing was really ripe to encapsulate the ludicrousness of the world we live in in a ludicrous way. And well done. I mean, you know, there are so many th crazy things that happen in this story. And again, I won't give away the shocker, but uh, the tables are turned on two men who behave in the manner that we're talking about—that sort of terrifying manner that many men feel that they have license to release on, on women. And they're soon surprised by some things. I thought it was interesting that for mo the most part, the women and the men do not really appear in the same frame together. Was that intentional or was that something that just happened to be a coincidence? No, that was that was definitely something. I'm, I'm glad you noticed that, actually, because it was something that me and, and my DP, uh, Chris Saul, sort of really spent some time thinking about in terms of just the blocking uh, and you know, really sort of using the the space that we that we had in a in a way that if you almost sort of you know, I'm I'm a big believer in when if you turn the sound off in a movie, you know, you should still really get what's going on. And and most of the be best yes. films and certainly the films that that I resonate towards that they all show and not tell. So, you know, we we sort of a from a sort of story standpoint, but also because we knew we were working with the parameters of, of just the logistics of having to shoot this in, in one night. We shot the whole short in, in a single evening in the Californian desert. And we only had, because it was the summer when we shot, we had a very small window of, of nightfall. So, you know, we spent a lot of time just sort of figuring out how could we give these actors space to play and space to sort of discover things in the blocking, but at the same time sort of keep that sort of separation because you know there is there is it, it is a kind of very sort of us versus them sort of feeling right now you know and so ultimately as a sort of short progresses the the one time that you know they are all in the same frame together is I won't give it away but you know at, at the end and that was definitely sort of intentional to sort of really sort of serve as a, as a bridge between those those two worlds and those two perspectives. And speaking of symbolism, which we mentioned earlier, there's a knife and a flute. And those were interesting choices, too, uh, as, as, as weapons of, of self-defense. Can you describe, can you get into that a little bit? Yeah, so I think that with the sort of choice of, of you know, a, a flute, obviously there's, there's the, the obvious reason there in, in that one of them is, again, without sort of wanting to give too much away, is, is a charmer, uh, is a sort of snake charmer. And that's just sort of a fascinating, it's always, I've always been fascinated by that, this idea that a sort of hidden language exists between species, you know, between sort of men and serpents, uh, women and serpents. And I, I, I wanted, because 
the there's elements of of snake dick and the sort of the relationship between the two characters is naturally tribal because they're of, of the same gender but the dynamic of how how they sort of depend on each other and and how sort of one unleashes the other one's uh, abilities again without wanting to give too much away the flute was just obviously sort of an, an, a natural choice for that and and with with the men i you know again sort of going back to that sort of primal aspect and and the fact that this is something that's been sort of going on for hundreds if if not thousands of years of women sort of physically having to wrangle themselves you know into the conversation i wanted this sort of threat to to not be a gun because you know the jill the the lead character in the movie she obviously put pulls a gun on, on one of these guys and that we feel that that's what instantly gives her power over the situation and then we learn later in the short that, that it isn't and so the symbolism of sort of choosing a knife over a sort of a, a gun in return is that it just felt it felt more in line with the sort of primal themes of 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 the movie and and also not just in in terms of on a physical basis but but uh, on a sort of metaphorical level the knife had more of a relationship with with the flute in a sort of you know opposite sort of sort of way yes i can see that i can see that so you know i also thought it was interesting that and again this could be my eye but it seemed like the male and female characters almost looked a little bit alike was that a coincidence or is that something you chose to do I think that was that was definitely more of a of a coincidence. I, I can't really take any any sort of credit for that. We definitely modeled the characters in the short based on the backstories of the characters in the feature. So there was a bit of a process of sort of reverse engineering there. And obviously I guess sort of without the context of, of the feature, sort of why those characters look that way might not necessarily sort of come through in the short. There is definitely, you know, a um, an intention behind that. And you know, thankfully, sort of a lot of people who have seen the short, you know, sort of like the fact that uh, there is this mystery and that you might not necessarily know exactly what these girls are doing, but you get the sense that they are, they're on their way to take care of business when, uh, when you know, this, this mishap happens and, and they end up in this, in this encounter in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, I, I sort of, I'm I'm also a big believer in the the sort of question being more interesting than, than the answer. One of my sort of favorite shows growing up was was The X-Files and I think that where that show sort of went a little bit askew was when they started trying to answer these questions and and you just felt that sense of disappointment because there was suddenly no more mystery there. So so yes. really just sort of mining into that I, that was how I sort of found a found uh, found a fine line between how much information I needed to give up in order to to give that context and and for people to really understand what was going on and how much I wanted to sort of save and and really just tease for the for the wider version of this that we we hope to make. And I also another thing I found really interesting was that the women worked together and the men seemed to immediately take to themselves as soon as things got to be difficult. And I wanted to, to get your comment on that 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 particular aspect. Yeah, well, that you know that that's a really interesting point because that sort of really comes back to the the original concept in itself. I mean, I first had this idea around uh, you know like 2016 uh, when when sort of Donald Trump was running and eventually you know became president. Uh, as I sort of touched upon earlier, it was just such a a bit bizarre scenario. Uh, and something I struggled to sort of get my head around. And but I think the one silver lining of of that whole the whole thing is that it, it really did act as a bit of a rocket fuel 
for the Me Too movement in the sense that you know women had fought so hard and so long for their for their rights to be heard, and then all of a sudden here comes this you know serial misogynist you know is a complete antithesis of of, of feminism, and uh, you know he's now being elected leader of a country that pioneered women's rights you know so and and I think that women just sort of really mobilized and and you know became united in that moment that enough was enough. And so really sort of taking that theme into the short was, was obviously super important. But on the flip side, when you had all this stuff that was going on with Trump and the sort of Me Too mobilization, you had a very sort of frankly bizarre counter argument from, from men, uh, you know, that sort of dovetailed into cancel culture and men sort of painting themselves as sort of the victims. And, and I think sort of that tends to be uh, it was very prevalent in what we're seeing right now. I mean, you know, we're, we're recording this couple of days after the election and, and we're sort of in this age of denialism where people people say they're not what their actions prove they are. And so, you know, taking those behaviors into into the short was, was a symbolic way to communicate that. And I'm, I'm glad that you picked up on that subtext. Yeah, no, very, very effective for me. Now let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your production. I mean, you have this neon techno 80s vibe going on in the film and in the soundtrack talk to me about how you achieve that in terms of the shoot and then we'll talk about the soundtrack as well yeah so i will one thing i have to say i need to give a shout out to everybody on my production you know cast and crew alike because we we put this together with a very small crew i think we had like 15 people including cast and we as i said we shot it in in one night and so the planning aspect of it was was crucial and my dp chris sal and i we we sort of knew that aided to be able to get everything we needed in one evening but also to give the actors that kind of freedom that i touched upon before we wanted to go with lights that were mostly battery operated and that you know we wouldn't be uh, we wouldn't need to be doing these lengthy new lighting setups in between shots. So we went with these lights, the Asteras, the AX1 pixel tubes, which are, you know, these neon uh, kinos, basically, with sort of a full RGB color spectrum on them. And, and we just scattered them all around the location in, in areas that, that we knew that they were going to be useful. And, you know, sort of then sort of started dialing in the kind of color temperatures and, and you know, we sort of spoke a little bit about some of our our influences beforehand. I'm a huge fan of you know uh, Andrew Laszlo's work. He was you know the Hungarian DP who shot the Warriors, Streets of Fire. I'm also a huge fan of you know Catherine Bigelow, John Carpenter, uh, Joel Schumacher. So you know just trying to sort of in, in, embody that neon drenched world, and be, also because the this sort of theme of opposites and these sort of two opposites in in these sort of these very strong feminist women and, and these, these, you know, very sort of old thinking sort of males in, in a sort of gas station, it was these two separate worlds that were coming together. And so with the setting being clearly in a desert and sort of in the middle of nowhere, I wanted to contrast that with a very sort of synthetic lighting environment that that felt a little bit more, you know, like like a sort of Blade Runner or sort of like a, a sort of a cityscape, uh, yes. futuristic feel to it. And, you know, hopefully we, we achieve that. I think that you did. And of course, you mentioned cityscape. At the at the end, in the final sequence, we see the women approaching a city that appears to be in, going up in flames. Can you say anything about that? 
Oh, that'd be telling too much. No, what I what I can say mm. is is with that end, keep it mysterious, please. <laughs> with that, <laughs> no, with that with with that end shot, we we wanted to we wanted to just tease that there was there was trouble ahead and that they are on their way to 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 a bigger fight, which isn't just symbolic of you know the the themes that that the short explores, but it has a very practical use as well. In that in the feature, it, it's set against the backdrop of an of an election of a very contentious election. You know that. That never may or may not be modelled on <laughs> that may or may not be modelled on on sort of what we've seen in in 2020, and we just wanted to sort of throw that in uh, in at the end to show that you know the story is to be continued, and you know sort of tease some expectation of, of what that might be. Well, I'm excited for the feature film version, so that is uh, that is something to look forward to. David, I want to thank you for the interview. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. All right, sir. Hopefully, uh, see your face at some point in, in life. Yes. And uh, we'll talk soon. Indeed, indeed. Okay, have a great festival. Yes, you too, sir. Thanks. Bye-bye.